Ellen on politics. Rank choice voting, you rank your favorite candidates, and if your first choice doesn't win, it goes to your second choice until someone gets over 50%. Together we'll stand. Star actually, it always counts all of your preferences, and it always completes in those two simple rounds. Hello, that piece of music was Canned Heat asking us all to work together, and this is Alan on Politics asking us to work together as well. And today, I'd like us to work together on understanding differences between ranked choice voting and star voting. The first voice clip that you heard over the musical interlude that began the show was that of Andrew Yang. You may have recognized him. Andrew has been in the news again this week, this time promoting his new book and a new political party in which he's arguing that ranked choice voting can help solve a lot of our political problems. The second voice you heard was a lesser known person, that's Mark Frohmeyer, who's better known here in Oregon as a leading proponent of star voting. On this show, I'm going to compare the two systems and tell you why I think star voting is preferable to ranked choice voting. I did cover these topics in an earlier episode, but in that episode, I talked about six different voting methods, and I think I bit off more than I could chew because I wasn't too satisfied with the outcome. I felt rushed, and I didn't get into it as clearly as I hoped to. Today, I'm going to devote it just to these two systems of voting to do that in a hopefully more clear form. My background in this is that I started actively advocating for ranked choice voting in 2004 using whatever opportunities I could to promote it over the next 10 years or so and hadn't heard of star voting during most of that time for the simple reason that it did not exist yet. It was invented here in Eugene, Oregon in 2014 and Mark Frommeyer started promoting it shortly after that. In 2016, I was working on a ballot initiative for one of Oregon's counties to bring ranked choice voting to the county elections and also running for Oregon Secretary of State on the Green Party ballot line and using my campaign to promote ranked choice voting. So because I was in public talking a lot about ranked choice voting, I kept encountering people that were saying to me, you need to talk to Mark Frommeyer, you need to talk to Mark Frommeyer. So I did. Turns out we live in the same city and not too distant from each other. We got together, he explained what at that time was uh, going under a different name, but the concept was that of star voting. And I thought about it a little, but I was busy, so it wasn't until after the campaign in late 2016 that we got to discuss this in more detail. And there was an online conversation involving me, Mark, and several other people interested in ranked choice voting and star voting, arguing and discussing and considering whether the uh, star voting innovation is clearly superior to ranked choice voting, and I came out on the side of star voting eventually and have been promoting that since then. For the most part, occasionally I've had my doubts like recently, but uh, usually those doubts turn out not to be very well founded. So this is my view of why I think star voting is better than ranked choice voting. People have different considerations in mind when they compare these two methods. So people may come out in different places or have different reasons for even preferring the same voting method, star voting, than I do. But this is my argument. And I want to talk about this in, particularly in four ways. Uh, the first two are considerations that a lot of people have in common. One is whether 
these two systems, which one is better in eliminating spoiler elections? And uh, spoiler alert here, I think they both would do that. The typical spoiler scenario would be eliminated by both of these forms of voting. The second one people are concerned about is whether or how much each of these two systems could boost the opportunities for third-party candidates to do better and maybe even put an end to the two-party dominance of our political system. Well, my, my assessment of this is that both of them will help third parties and independent candidates do better than they do under our current system, but neither of them will end the two-party dominance of our system without a lot of further changes. And in terms of helping third parties and independent candidates, I think STAR will actually be a little better than ranked choice voting. Other people would say it'd be a lot better, but in my view, it's at least a little better, certainly better anyway. Uh, finally, this last segment of the show, I wanna talk about two considerations that people don't ordinarily think about when they think about this, except for a few voting geeks like me and the other people that I tend to talk to. One is the administration of elections. This wasn't originally a very um, important consideration in my mind until I started meeting people who were county clerks having to run elections and voting machine vendors who had to program machines to count the ballots. Uh, and they were raising problems with ranked choice voting that I think are pretty significant. Star voting fixes those problems and would be a lot easier to conduct the election, to um, explain to voters the outcome, and to audit the election results, which have become very important considerations in the last few years because of all the arguments about whether the last presidential election was fairly handled and people wanting to audit the results and all that. So I think this, in this case, star voting is significantly better and it's important that it is finally some people don't often think about at least very deeply is what is your idea of representative democracy what should it be and how do each of these voting methods do in terms of that of those considerations um, here i'll present a theory of representative democracy that makes sense to me and i again come out in favor of star voting as being clearly superior to ranked choice voting so that's a preview before I get into those arguments, though, first of all, I want to say a little bit about two arguments that are commonly raised against star voting specifically that I don't think I want to spend a lot of time on today, but just give you a kind of an idea of where I come from in terms of those arguments. One is that star voting has not been tried before in a real public election to elect the final candidate, which is true. But here, I, I don't think this is a very important argument because this is not like inventing a time machine where we have completely new principles that the, the machinery is based on. We have well over a hundred years of assessing various voting methods and determining why they don't turn out the results that we hope they might, uh, seeing ways they can fail and how people feel about them. So we know an awful lot about how elections work and how voting methods work, and we can apply those principles to assessing star voting. Of course, it'd help if we actually had elections using stars so we could see how they really do turn out, but I think we know enough to make very educated guesses about how it will function in practice. The second argument is that star voting is vulnerable to strategic voting. And I don't think that's true. I've never seen yet an argument for this that makes sense to me. The one you're most likely to encounter is one by Fair Vote, which is a leading national organization promoting ranked choice voting. And their argument is, I'm not going to go into it because it's kind of complicated. I think it serves to just uh, raise doubts in people's mind and it's kind of complicated for them to really assess well. But I would encourage you if you have doubts about star voting based on uh, the strategic argument that 
strategic voting argument that fair vote is promoting, I would ask you to go back through it carefully and keep this in mind. It relies on two contradictory assumptions. The first assumption is that the election is close enough that strategic voting can alter the outcome. And the second assumption is that you can actually know how your strategic vote will alter the outcome with enough confidence that you're not going to risk getting a worse, a worse outcome than what you bargained for. The idea that you can have an election that is both very competitive and you can be confident of how, the, how you're going to affect the outcome are contradictory. If you have a competitive election, by definition, it's hard to tell how it's going to come out. So it'll be hard to tell how altering your vote in some strategic sense is going to affect the outcome. High risk involved there. So I don't think that makes much sense. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Instead, I just want to move forward to these other arguments that I think are well, they're bigger considerations for me, at, at, at least, and I'd like to hear about what you have to say about them. So, as always, you can leave your comments, best places, on the Allen on Politics YouTube channel or the Allen on Politics Facebook page, where I'm most likely to see them and to respond, them, respond to them. All right, let's go forward then. Okay, we want to assess how ranked choice voting and star voting each do with the spoiler problem and with helping third party and independent candidates. But first, I think I need to recap how these two voting methods work. I'm just going to do it very briefly. If you need more detail, you can look at it, look for it elsewhere. So the obvious difference is that in ranked choice voting, you rank the candidates. This candidate is my first choice, this candidate is my second choice, and so on. Whereas in star voting, you give scores to the candidates on a scale from zero to five. You give five to candidates that you would most prefer to see win and zero to candidates that you'd least prefer to win and can give scores in between zero and five to the other candidates relative to your top and bottom choices. But the big difference really is in the counting process. In ranked choice voting, it's important that only the top rankings on each ballot count in each round of counting. That is, in the first round of counting, you count only the first choice votes. If a candidate gets the most of those votes, that is more than half, they win. But if no candidate gets a majority of votes, then the candidate with the fewest first choice votes is eliminated. And each of the ballots that had that candidate as their top choice now goes to the next candidate down on that ballot. Again, you have another round of counting. Only of the candidates were at the top of each ballot, discounting the eliminated candidate. And if somebody gets a majority, they win. If no one gets a majority, there's another round. So in each round of counting, until there's a majority winner, only the top choice on each ballot counts, and the rest of the choices don't count. In star voting, it's very different. In the first round of counting, all the scores count. That is, for each candidate, their scores on all the ballots are added together, and the two candidates who get the highest cumulative scores go to the automatic runoff against each other. And here, it, the scores only indicate which candidate you prefer over the other. So it's a majority vote in the second round. But the important thing here is that in the first round, all the scores count. All right, so the typical spoiler election 
that we're familiar with is one in which you have two major party candidates in a very close election. Neither of them gets a majority of the votes, but one of them wins. That's because you only need the most votes in our current system of voting to win. But there is another candidate from a third party, maybe, who doesn't have a chance to win, but got enough votes that if those votes had gone to one of the major party candidates, the losing major party candidate in particular, the outcome would have been different. That's something that I think we're all familiar with, and it's bad for a number of reasons. For one thing, you can have people win with less than a majority. Number two, it suppresses the interest in and the votes for third party and independent candidates. Number three, it induces people to vote for candidates they really don't like that much. It's the lesser evil problem. You can vote for a candidate you like who has little chance of winning, or you can vote for a major party candidate in hopes that the one you slightly prefer over the other is going to win. Uh, so a lot of problems with spoiler elections. We're all familiar with it. The good news is they'll both ranked choice voting and star voting get rid of the spoiler problem. Now, there are cases that are similar to the familiar spoiler scenario where star voting advocates argue that this could also be called a spoiler election. I don't want to get hung up on the semantics of it, but the important thing is that it's similar to the familiar case in that if you vote for your true first choice in ranked choice voting, you could end up getting your worst possible outcome Whereas if you had given your second choice top ranking, you would have gotten that second choice as the outcome. Now this is due to the way that this, the rankings count. The second preferences, third preferences don't count. Only the top preferences count and that what causes this kind of outcome. In star voting, this possibility is all but eliminated. That is in some kind of extreme hypothetical case, it might happen, but it's unlikely to happen. That means that for ranked choice voting, this possibility is real. In fact, it has happened. In, uh, you may have heard of the Burlington mayoral election of 2009, in which there was this type of problem that cropped up. Uh, opponents of ranked choice voting often bring this up. It can happen. It does happen. It happened here. <laughs> and it probably could happen in the future. More often, the more we institute ranked choice voting. Uh, I don't put a, a lot of weight on this particular consideration because I consider other things as more important, but some people do. The one thing we have to say, though, is that we don't really know how often this will happen. Uh, people are, have different opinions on that, but it is important that we do know it will happen, just not how often. How then does this um, affect third party and independent candidates? Well, if you get rid of spoiler elections, you're obviously going to increase opportunities for third party candidates and independence to get voter attention and to do better. And I think both under ranked choice voting and star voting, they will do better. They'll start to win elections. They'll certainly get more voter attention. Uh, they could, especially down ballot, they could win city elections, uh, county elections, maybe in state legislative seats. Uh, but I don't think you're going to do away with the two-party system like this without further changes. And that's for a few reasons, but I'll mention three in particular. One is that the major parties, even if you change the voting system, they still have a lot of institutional advantages. For example, they have access to big money. They have organizations in all 50 states with volunteers who are experienced in helping campaigns. And they um, have voter familiarity. 
So they have a lot of institutional advantage that they all maintain, even though you change the voting system. And that means if they keep winning, um, <laughs> third parties are going to have trouble making the case that they are competitive. There's also the problem that um, major parties, anytime you have a single winner election, a bigger coalition party is going to do better than a principal party, which most third parties are. Major parties tend to form big coalitions around vague principles, broad uh, notions of good things, and blow with the wind in terms of issues where voters are at, whereas third parties try to stick to particular sets of principles, like the Libertarian Party or the Green Party. They try to adhere to their principles. That means it's going to be hard for them to um, build as big a coalition as a major party. And in, in any single winner election, the bigger the coalition, the more your chance of winning. Sometimes people say, well, you got an awful lot of people who are disillusioned with the two major parties, so we'll probably have a new party emerge. The problem is not all those voters, those independent or non-affiliated voters or the people who would like to leave the major parties, not all of them would be attracted to the same party. They'd probably be scattered among several parties, which would make it difficult for any one of them to emerge as a serious competitor. There is the possibility, though, especially with our two parties splitting apart at the seams lately, that a new party could emerge and displace one of the two major parties. I think that's possible, uh, not real likely, without further changes. Uh, the kind of changes I'm thinking of is, number one, get rid of the Electoral College. Number two, you could, like Andrew Yang is proposing, have open primaries where all the candidates from all the parties run together in one election. But given that you, if, if you're just talking about changing to ranked choice voting or star voting, I don't think it's going to change the two-party system, although third-party candidates and all independents, maybe even independents more so than third parties, will do better. I think they'll do a little better in star voting than in ranked choice voting, simply because all those secondary scores can add to a third-party candidate's vote total, making it uh, more possible for them to get in the runoff and thus more possible for them to win. So I think it'll do a little better on that score as well. Let's move on to consider some other things. In that last segment, I presented my view that both ranked choice voting and star voting would eliminate the familiar spoiler scenario in which a marginal candidate is accused of being the spoiler, and that by doing so, they would each give a boost to third party and independent candidates in the sense that they would get more voter attention, be able to show better results in the uh, final outcome, and maybe even win more offices than they do now. In fact, I'm pretty sure they would win more offices than they do now, but I don't think either of them would overthrow the two-party system without further changes to our election processes. I also said that star voting outperforms ranked choice voting in a couple of ways. The first is the so-called spoiler scenario in which under ranked choice voting, by actually ranking your first choice first, it might work against you. Well, that won't happen under star voting. We don't know how often it happens under ranked choice voting, but it does happen and it's not a good thing. So star voting is better in that sense. And also I think star voting would do a little better at helping third party and independent candidates just from the sense that uh, the lower scores that candidates get also help them. Whereas in ranked choice voting, when those candidates get lower rankings, those rankings 
rankings aren't necessarily going to count toward the final outcome. So in this segment, what I want to do is talk about two ways that I think are important and not always considered, but that clearly star outperforms ranked choice voting, at least in my view. The first one is election administration. And by that, I mean the counting of votes, the presenting of the results of an election to the voters, and auditing when that becomes necessary. Now, we've seen in recent years how much auditing elections has become a key uh, concern for many people. And we, wanna, we don't want to have an election system that becomes so complicated to understand that voters are going to feel even more that it had been rigged in some way. Here, star voting, the formula for counting votes is much simpler than that of ranked choice voting. In ranked choice voting, often there's a winner in the first round of counting, but in setting up voting machines or any kind of hand counting method, you have to take into consideration there might be multiple rounds of counting. And in each of those rounds of counting, you have to be able to go back and identify particular ballots with eliminated candidate with the eliminated candidate for the next round and then tell where each of those ballots is supposed to go to the other candidates. You may have to do that over and over. So the formula for counting becomes very complex and programming the uh, computerized tabulators to do that is going to take quite a bit of uh, effort and hard, hard to find the bugs in it, I would think, compared to star voting. So with star voting, it's pretty simple. Uh, you just, uh, you can, it's a simple code from what I understand anyway, it should be. And uh, computers can be programmed fairly easily to do that. And when you present the results, there's just two rounds of counting to look at. You, you say in the first round, what are the scores the candidates got? And in the second round, the two top scores, which one did better than the other one when they're compared head to head? Pretty simple to understand, pretty simple to present, pretty simple to count. And when you audit, that kind of simplicity is also important. Whereas in a ranked choice voting with multiple rounds of counting, when you present the results, I've, har I've hardly ever seen <laughs> a multiple round ranked choice voting presentation in which it was easy to follow what actually happened. You have to pay some attention, understand the, the counting procedure pretty well in order to follow it. So it's not... Um, of intuitive uh, clarity to the average voter. So in this respect, I think star voting is superior to ranked choice voting. Now, the other one, this, this topic I could go into quite a bit, and maybe I'll do an entire show on it, but it's representative democracy. Why do we have elections in the first place? Now, it's obviously, I hope it's obvious anyway, that it's not because we think people are all wise and real well informed. No, it's because we want people to be able to protect themselves from a tyrannical government. And we want um, people to, um, because they're subject to the laws that the government passes, they should have some say in who gets to pass those laws. But because, you know, just reflecting people's views is not adequate unless people have a way to what the founders called refine and enlarge their views by discussion with each other and confrontation with other points of view. Otherwise, you're simply represented a divided public where people each have their own partisan views and they're not talking to each other, and it's reflected in the government. The government becomes gridlocked. It becomes a case of, well, either side is trying to get a majority just to ram their views down the throat of the other, 
escalation of that kind of conflict, both in the public and in the government. And eventually you have attempts to uh, rig elections in your favor, and then violence is the ultimate result of that. So we need an election system that both encourages people to talk to each other and present rational reasons for their views. I think the founders had that right. Maybe they were wrong on some other things. I think it also requires voters to have more empathy for each other and a willingness to set aside some of their deeply held views for the sake of consensus. And I don't mean watering them down. I simply mean recognizing that other people's views have some validity as well. Um, and now I'm losing my thread here. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that star voting is better than ranked choice voting in this sense. Both of them encourage people to look across partisan bounds, but ranked choice voting maintains the sense that your first choice is all important. That is, which candidate or which party you most closely affiliate with is the one you want to give the highest uh, uh, ranking to, and that's what all that counts when it comes to each round of counting. Whereas in star voting, because all the scores you give for all the candidates are part of the result, that means that anytime you see some validity in someone else's view and you give them a score, that's going to make some difference. It counts not only the strength of attachment to particular parties or views or candidates, but the breadth of interest that people have in candidates. That is a candidate that can appeal to a lot of different people for different reasons has a better chance of succeeding under star voting than a ranked choice voting where the candidate who gets the most first choice votes has the best chance of surviving the election. So not sure how clear that was, but I think um, what we mean by representative democracy and what we're aiming at is important to think about in a little more depth. And maybe I'll go into it more in a future show uh, because I find even in this show, I feel a little rushed trying to present all these points and not always as clear as I'd like to be. So that, I hope it was better than the previous show about it. Anyway, so again, uh, I welcome your comments and your requests for clarification or what you have to say about any of this so we can continue a dialogue or have a dialogue. Best place to do that is on the Allen on Politics YouTube channel, on the Allen on Politics Facebook page. Although if you present your views on other Facebook pages, where my videos are shared. I might see it, might be able to respond to it, but not guaranteed. Okay, that's it for this week. Um, I hope you have a good week and uh, look forward to better times ahead, even if we can't see exactly how that's gonna happen. That's all we can do is hope for the best, right? And work for it too. Let's work together. Yeah.